Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Hello, everyone. This is Raise Your Voice as part of the Fans First Sports Network. I'm Brett Rutherford, joined, as always, by Darby Robinson. Darby, this is like our third podcast in like seven days. This is the most we've ever recorded, I think, since we we started this. But the Rays are well into the second half, well past the trade deadline now, and they are rounding back into form. I had a great road trip, three straight series wins. It concluded on Sunday in Detroit with a very interesting win against the Tigers. Um, So, obviously, the Orioles are still setting the pace in the American League East. But I think we can confidently say now as race fans that we're in a much better place in terms of how the team is playing. Yeah, absolutely. I think getting back to series winning, you know, it's like... The Orioles are never losing, so you can't really you can only worry about yourself and getting back to just winning baseball is is so key, you know, avoiding those losing streaks, but getting series wins, you know, two out of three, two out of three, two out of three that that just slowly extending that uh, that lead that's either maintaining pace behind Baltimore for the division. It's extending your lead on some of the other wild card teams. It's just getting later in the season with, with a high win percentage. And yeah, no, that's, it's been much needed, especially even when you haven't been like completely back to form. Like the rays are not close to being back to even like the may level, but if they can get kind of to that, you know, june level and moving towards may you know getting that more improved then that would be that would be really key and they're going to need to do a lot of winning down the stretch with baltimore playing so 
just dang well. They're, they they yeah. absolutely butchered the the Mets. The There's just no help there. Uh, Baltimore, I mean, we'll see if they slow down, but if the Rays can just keep keep winning series, that's that's what they need to do. Yeah, there was a cut in on um, Valley Sports today. They're showing live updates from the Orioles game, and uh, it was Felix Bautista pitching the ninth, two-run lead. Uh, two-run lead. Dan Vogelbach uh, up to bat with a runner on against Felix Bautista. I'm like, uh-oh, did he just did he just tie the game? No, no, he didn't. He struck out, and uh, the Orioles won again. Um, but like you said, getting back towards maybe that, that June period and maybe what we're seeing right now and what was in June, maybe that's the, the real rate, 2023 raise, right? April, May, incredibly hot. July, incredibly cold. And we've talked about on this podcast, what does the, what, what can we expect from this team moving forward? Because the answer was probably always going to be somewhere in the middle. And I think that's what we're seeing. And I think it's a really good team what we're seeing in the, in the recipe to getting there is your, your core of your lineup, your, your star players, your all-stars, right? Yanni Diaz, Wander Franco, Randy Rosarena, even he's still maybe running a little bit cold. Brandon Lau mm-hmm. is back in there. Now those guys are all playing like all-stars. Then game to game, maybe you get an extra contribution from Luke Rayleigh, from Harold Ramirez, from some of these other guys throughout the lineup. And that's, kind of the identity for for not only this race club but i think that's just the identity to to having a winning team yeah i think i think some of the best teams you have to kind of be built that way where you have your your glue guys your your core your stars lead the way and then you have these solid contributors throughout if you don't have those solid contributors you kind of turn into the 2023 San Diego Padres, which has maybe like the, the one of the the best top four, uh, uh, you know, all star lineups, and then the rest were just very mediocre role players who all who all really struggled. So you look at a team like the Braves; everybody's like an all star, but even the the guys who aren't contribute really well. The Dodgers consistently have that. The Astros have consistently had that. You know, for every uh Bregman and Altuve and and Tucker and Jordan, you get these solid contributions. Like Martin Maldonado has been a solid contributor for them. Uh Chaz McCormick. Um those type of guys are key. So like a guy like Jose Siri, he can have a big game uh like he did uh recently against Detroit in the Apple TV game. Uh get that home run, get some nice catches in there, get some nice base knocks as well. Like that suddenly then takes you over the top because if you're getting those home runs from Lau and you're getting that consistent contribution from Yandi and Wander, then everything else is just that extra bit. It's that extra sauce and you need it. You 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 cannot survive alone on Randy and Wander and Yandi carrying you but you cannot also survive alone on the depth being the thing that just carries through games. When, when those top guys struggle, like we saw in July, it's, it's just hard to beat, you know, you, you cannot get over that hump, but you just need those guys to lead the way. And then I think the depth is there that they're going to get at least some contribution every day, a little bit. And it's just, if that's enough, you're going to get some winning baseball and that's, this last week or so as August has turned over, it's gotten there. 
It sure has. It's been fun. Now the team will return home. There was an interesting addition uh, on this road trip, and that was top prospect Curtis Mead, right-handed hitting corner infielder, um, who has been, you know, the, the Rays acquired him from Philadelphia in a trade that involved Christopher Sanchez, who is now pitching pretty, you know, really well for the Phillies. Um, mm-hmm. But Curtis mm-hmm. Mead has, has developed into not only one of the best Rays prospects, but one of the pros- best prospects in all of baseball. He is now up, and, and I wasn't sure if he, we were going to see him at all. I, th- I figured he'd get a cup of coffee, but he was called up. Vidal Brujan was sent down today. There's been some other moving around with the roster, and we'll, we'll get to that later on the on the pitching side of things. Um, but Curtis Mead is up. He's not going to play every day. Uh, obviously, you've got Yanni Diaz at first, Isak Paredes at third, um, but there is some room to move those guys around, give them some rest. You've got the DH slot. First off, how excited are you to see now Curtis Mead, what he can do at the big league level? Oh, it's ex- it's super exciting. I uh, I I wasn't sure. We've, we've sort of talked about this when it came to Ronda a lot because he's been hot in the AAA of just sort of how does it fit onto the roster? Where does the playing time come from? And Curtis Mead was sort of in that same boat of you have a guy who has been tearing – up the ball in AAA, who's clearly done everything he needs to prove from an offensive standpoint at that level. Not saying that it's going to be immediate success in the majors, but there is a certain point where, okay, we know he can hit AAA pitching. Great. Can he contribute in the majors? And can he get that taste of the show that maybe it's not this year, but next year? It's locked in. We've seen that with from like a guy like Josh Lowe, who took a big jump forward and kind of every player. Usually when you're a rookie, you're you're not that good. Even Randy who was a rookie for about three years. uh, He, he had some playing time. He got some postseason playing time with uh, St. Louis before coming over to, to Tampa Bay to then, you know, do the amazing 2020 that he had. So get it, seeing that text or seeing that, uh, that, uh, the tweet, um, that Curtis Mead was getting called up was pretty surprising in a lot of ways. There was uh, the off day and Durham posted their lineup. And in, in our Slack, I noticed that there was no Curtis Mead and the Rays do tend to, when it comes to a big prospect, like to do the off day mm-hmm. call up that happened with Wander. It happened yeah. with, uh, uh, another pitcher as well. I can't remember, but there, there's a, there's, there's sometimes that little bit of an off day call up that maybe, maybe that setup where there was, what would you change? How would you, how would you fix this in? But I was excited and very excited to see him come up. And I've been each day really fascinated to see how does he fit on the current roster and going forward? Like what, what is this call up? Because frankly, I just don't think you call up Curtis Mead right now just to be a bench bat, just to be a guy that gets into the rotation. If you need that, you call up Jonathan Aranda. If you need a guy for like mm-hmm. a day or two or a series, you call up Aranda because he's already used his option. He's already come up. He's been used to that. Calling up Curtis Mead to me, and I'd love to hear your take, it, it suggests to me he's up here not for a series, but 
he's up here for good, it, or at least for a long haul. Yeah, it sounds like it, it. It's for good unless you know injuries happen or or other things get shuffled around. Um, there will be no more trades because the trade deadline has passed. I, I just it's 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 a weird fit right now because he's like one of the only infielders that you have maybe you know like on the bench like he's the only inf- Harold Ramirez can place him first, but mm-hmm. you you. Who is the backup shortstop? Like Vidal Bruhan is now sent down. So that was the question, right? So every time, and people online were 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 constantly every highlight because every day Jonathan Ronda hit a new home run, and everyone was like, "How? Where? You got to call him up." And the the response every time, hating to be a killjoy in all this, but it was like, "How?" Who do you yeah. who do you take the place? Like you're not going to run uh, twelve pitchers. You're not going to run short on that because I mean the Rays need more innings so that no, nobody really does that anyway. Uh, two, where does he play? I mean that was the thing. Wander is the shortstop. Nobody else on the roster besides Bruhan and then Walls. Who this is the first time I think it was. Yeah, to today or yesterday. I forget when Bruhan got uh, sent down. That's the first time. I think it was today that that the the team has not had Vidal Bruhan or Taylor Walls on the active roster for two years now. Yeah, wow. The, the, it's been those two guys who have needed to be. They have not played like Walls has played a lot more than Bruhan, but they have played the role of. If Wander needs a day, or if Wander needs to be subbed out, or if Wander gets hurt, that's who can play shortstop. Right. So this is a big move. It was it was sort of like, how does this work? Now, calling up Curtis Mead suggests to me, because somebody mentioned this, why, okay, why Curtis Mead? If you're going to do this and you're going to send Bruhan down, you are saying basically you're fine with running without any true shortstop. And if you do need to have in a pinch, in an emergency, somebody to 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 stand it short, I think it's Isak Paredes who has yeah. played short in the minors a long time ago. He's never played in the major leagues. I don't think he'd be very good at it. No, but he, he also <laughs> he he is not a guy you're probably going to start ever there. But this is a, there's a lot of off days in August, so you can you can potentially you know say Wander if it's a game he's playing and and Wander does play most of the time anyway. Uh, but in a, in a pinch, you could have, uh, Isak Paredes, but that is interesting that you're deciding, okay, we don't need a backup shortstop. We can go with an emergency shortstop like Paredes. It, it's kind of like, you know, running one catcher. It's, it's like, okay, maybe this guy can stand at catcher, but like, he can't really play. So we might have to do that. It's, it's a big, it's a, it's an interesting, it's a, it's such an interesting move because they've not done this until now which really suggests something in their in their idea of what they think of curtis mead for sure uh yeah because you typically right want to have a backup catcher you have to have a backup catcher uh you know i mean the league doesn't mandate it but you'd be really silly if you didn't typically though a backup infielder that you trust their defensive abilities enough to play shortstop and a uh, an outfielder that you would trust their defensive abilities to play center field and then that last bench spot, maybe you go with like an offensive first guy. And so, like if it was Bruhan over Mead right now, you'd have Pinto as your backup catcher, Bruhan as your backup shortstop, 
Margot as your backup center fielder, and then like either Harold Ramirez or Luke Rayleigh or Josh Lowe, whoever's on the bench that night being the more of the, the impact bat you can bring off the bench. Yeah. Now, not only do the Rays have, have Mead in that spot, so he'll definitely will he definitely will not play shortstop. It no. would be Isak Prada. It wouldn't be Brandon Lau either, uh, unless you were really, really in a pinch. If you were like DHing Paredes, but even then you'd probably just pull it and then get that. Yeah. I hope that doesn't happen. But you're also at the point where if something, knock on wood, were to happen to Wander, where he'd have to miss time, you'd imagine they would just bring Bruhan right back up. Um, yeah. So, like, yeah. we're talking about covering shortstop for a few innings, you know, at most. Exactly. Exactly. So I think, and I think that, I think there's two things why you do this move now and you didn't call up Aranda to do the same thing before. One, uh, we actually have days off now, which is, which through most of the season, there is just basically a lot of games in a row with maybe one, two days off in the entire month. So that's a lot of, that's a long grind in in August, there are several days off. There's one coming up on Monday. There's a couple more the rest of this month. That that gives you an opportunity for Wander to get some rest without having to miss games. Two, Jonathan Ronda is a butcher in the field. He He's a fantastic bat, potentially elite level bat, at least in AAA. And that could become a viable major league bat in the, in, in the show. But he's not good defensively he is very very rough so he can play first or dh really the you don't really want him playing second base you really don't want him playing third he had they've tried him a little bit in the outfield and he's not that good there he's sort of like harold ramirez again but from the left side a guy who yeah i guess he can play first he can kind of play right field but you don't really want him any he's he's mostly dh Curtis Mead, this is a suggestion that one, his defense is is much better than Aranda's, and two, they're comfortable letting him play in the field because now you can have Isak Paredes be on the bench or moved around. And already we've seen Mead at third and Paredes at first. We've seen uh Mead at third and Paredes at second base. So Paredes versatility is really key and Meade's ability to actually play major league defense is so is allowing the team to actually call him up and and run this right now so getting a better bat in the roster in the active roster for Bruhan is allowing them to take some more chances defensively whereas I think with Aranda and the the lack of days off there really wasn't that opportunity for most of this season yeah, it also the team had really been struggling versus left-handed pitching over the last couple months. I think they were towards the bottom of the leaderboards, if not at the bottom, for WRC plus versus left-handed pitching. Uh, we saw them struggle with Terry Skubal uh, from the left side. I'm I'm really not sure if they have a lot of games against left-handers coming up, uh, but we did see the lineup. Curtis Mead's first big league start um, against Skubal come, and, and and the lineup just feels a little deeper, uh, a little bit more comfortable. Mm-hmm. Uh, against uh, left-handed pitchers, so I'll just read it off real quick. Diaz, Franco, Paredes, Arozarena, Ramirez, Mead, Margot, Siri, Pinto. So it was nine. Uh, Wander's a switch hitter, but um, nine guys that were going to be hitting from the right side uh, against Scooble. And that 
you know, can take off. Josh Lowe doesn't have to play against lefties all the time. Neither does Luke Rayleigh. Neither does Brandon Lau. I think Lau, you'd be more than comfortable having him in there against lefties, especially with how hot he's been as of late. But yeah, I think it's it's different, right? It's not it's not a move I'd expect the Rays to make. You usually expect them to just prioritize defensive versatility and just defensive ability in general and speed. And Curtis Mead really doesn't have any of that, but they do love his bat. Uh, they loved his bat when they traded for him, and then they watched him become one of um, their best prospects. So exciting, right? I mean, it, it, it's exciting to see young players come up. He's still in like 22. I think he turns 23 this year. Um, so yeah. incredibly young, which is something I think we need to take into account. I have no idea if he'll be on a postseason roster. You'd imagine Taylor Walls getting healthy might change that. Um, but maybe it's an audition. Maybe you get to a point where you pick him over Harold Ramirez. I don't know. Yeah, I think that's I think that's really the key here is that it is sort of a extended audition. And it's probably going to be something that you see him next year have a prominent role on this team this year it's a matter of how how much how quickly can he contribute right now and so yeah it's an extended audition to see if he can contribute to winning games to to generating runs and if it is better than than harold ramirez then you potentially don't have Harold on the playoff roster. He's still with the team. He's still there. But for a certain round, especially if you're facing a lot of, uh, or if you're facing a lot of lefties, maybe Josh Lowe isn't on the playoff roster. You maybe have, you have Harold and you have Margot and you have Curtis Mead. So I think that really kind of depends upon the type, the lineup, the, the, the team you're facing right now. I think Curtis Mead, he, Came in, he started against the lefty. He also started again versus a righty uh, mm-hmm. in the in the rubber match of the of the series. So I, I do think he's a guy that they do like his bat quite a bit, and I think you're going to see him get some run. Uh, Cash said that basically you're going to see him playing pretty much only third base or DH, and sometimes second base. So. Only third base, except for when he's not at third. Two other positions, so one third of all the possible positions, uh, but only those. Um, he he has not really played first base that much, and he's played it in the minors. But I, I think you know, there's a you just don't want to overload a, a guy's plate. Uh, you know, you got a classic money ball thing. You know, first base it might seem easy, but it's incredibly hard. So well, he, I just let him do what he his, knows that he does. Yeah, and he, yeah, you know, really want him to focus on hitting. Like I watched, uh, I think it was against Manning today, just like dotted, you know, outside corner, right at the knees, just like a ninety-one mile an hour fastball. Like it wasn't like overpowering stuff, but it's just like, damn, that's that's probably not a spot that AAA pitchers are just hitting with two strikes very often, and it just froze him. And it's just that perspective of how different it is making that jump from from AAA to the big leagues. But uh, still exciting to have It's tough. Yeah, he, he got his first hit uh, out of the way. His very first pitch he saw in, in the majors, he drilled a nice little single. Uh, he had a really good walk 
in the in the third yeah. game of the series. He had a really bad, uh, way outside uh, pitch that was called a strike to move the count to one and two. That's a mm-hmm. huge. That's like maybe the big momentum swing type of pitch. Uh, he spit on a slider outside. He then spit on two really well executed pitches from Manning uh, that were just off. One again, a little further out, fastball outside on two two. They got it to three two. That was not called, and he didn't swing at it. And then finally on three two, a very good curve right at the bottom of the zone or or a gyro slider uh, that he that he watched right through to to draw the walk. That's a very impressive at bat because getting down one, two, after you get a bad call, probably want to extend the zone. And that slider out was a really smart pitch for Manning to say like, okay, let's let the rookie, you know, kind of chase this out of the zone. Uh, he didn't extend any, and he really, you know, held in there. So I'm excited to see it. This is uh, easily the best hitting prospect. The race have promoted since Wander Franco. Uh, Josh Lowe was a very talented position prospect, but he was, at the time of call up, he was still not, he was not top 50. I don't believe Curtis Mead has been a, a top 30 uh, position prospect and, and uh, almost all pure hitting, uh, not just athleticism. Like Josh Lowe, great athlete, um, but Curtis Mead, it's, it's all bad. If he is going to be a lasting major leaguer, it's because he's a hitter. And so this is a exciting, exciting promotion because the race of a lot of pitching that we've seen come up through the, the list. This is now another really, really talented, high level offensive prospect. So exciting to see where he, he uh, goes over the next few weeks. Yeah, very exciting. Uh, I guess it's time we talk about the reason or the player he replaced on the active roster, uh, Shane McClanahan, who was experiencing some forearm tightness on the outside of his arm and, and, and down into his elbow is how it was described. And after the game, Kevin Cash even said that he wasn't worried about it. We still don't know the severity of the injury and how much time he'll miss. He is on the injured list, so uh, at least two weeks. But we found out, uh, Mark Topkin reported that he was headed to California to get a second opinion from, I, I don't know how to pronounce this doctor's name, uh, but he's a doctor that hasn't brought a lot of good news to a lot of major league pitchers in recent times. <sighs> Darby, I mean, if if the Rays lose Shane McClanahan for an extended period of time, what does that do to, to, to the season? Uh, if Shane's out... For an extended period of time, I think it's safe for the folks in Balmer to start printing some ALE t-shirts. Mm. Get those get those ready um, in the black and orange. Uh, I think postseason, it becomes a lot more challenging. I think a rotation with Glasnow, Eflin, Savale, uh, and then the true ace, Zach Little, uh, yeah. or Littell, um, that that still, I think, can compete in a lot of ways. And I think even that rotation itself is not that much it's marketably cool. worse. It's better it, than it might Baltimore's even be better rotation. than Baltimore's rotation, but Baltimore's rotation is, one, all overperforming, two, impeccably healthy. They yeah. there's There hasn't been even a like a, like a blister. They're just impossibly healthy. Uh, 
Kyle Bradish is going to start every single game and perform at the 98th percentile every single game. That's just this season. So I do think without McClanahan, I think you need, like, you're down three games already. You have not been able to gain any ground on this this winning streak. You've actually lost a game on this entire (laughs) successful road trip. So I think that if he's out for the rest of the season, I just think you've got to, I'd be more focused on wild card and matchups in that regard then then the other big thing the other reason for that is you only have four more games against baltimore in general so you really do not have a lot of ways to gain ground yourself besides the fact that baltimore is facing the easiest schedule remaining of anybody in the al east the rays are facing i think the hardest or second hardest of anybody in the al east without having another one of those ace level guys or and the other thing is if if Shane is is healthy but he is just really really exhausted and 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 fatigued and he's not performing at Shane McClanahan first half levels that's the other that's the other part of the scenario is he could come back and be like okay the the arm is fine but he's still like kind of struggling with command and it's more of a a spotty four or five innings rather than a dazzling six seven. Uh, that also kind of sets up a similar way. The Rays need to make up a lot of ground and they're going to need a lot of help to do that. So they really have to be able to win a lot of series and having somebody like Shane that you can count on to deliver one of those wins really helps uh, solidify that lineup. I I think if he's out, I I just, I don't see them being able to overtake Baltimore in that scenario. Yeah. I I don't know. Is this just a reality that I'm going to have to, eventually come to grips with the fact that you're going to lose at least one, but probably two starting pitchers every year to uh, elbow injury or shoulder injury. Like it just, I, I know that pitchers get hurt, right? Like it happens. It's not a natural movement, but now we see guys throwing harder than ever before and with different mechanics than ever before. Um, And not to say that guys weren't getting hurt, before every starting pitcher could throw 100 because uh, they definitely were and maybe some pitched through it and maybe that affected their performance but man is it is it brutal to see again we'll hold out hope that shane is okay but it just feels ominous <laughs> we haven't really lost him yet for an extended period of time if you know he's on the il with drew rasmussen who had elbow surgery not tommy john but he's had it already in his career Jeffrey Springs, who had Tommy John, Shane Boz, who's recovering from Tommy John, uh, and Josh Fleming, who's got elbow issues. It, it just feels like it's never going to end, right? Like Shane will get healthy and someone else will get hurt. Uh, is, is this reality now? Yeah, I think, I think that's baseball now. I think it requires so much... I think baseball now has prioritized and the and the 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 value the money is so much higher for for um pitchers to throw a couple ticks faster yeah to bend just a few more degrees to spin just a few more rpms that's that's tens of millions of dollars and i i don't think we're 
I think losing a year and a half of your time is just I cost think that's of doing just business. Cost of doing business, right? Like I like the baseball doesn't pay like a a long time doesn't pay Ryan Yarbrough a lot of money to be okay for a long time, okay and healthy and available, but they pay a ton of money to Carlos Rodon. Yeah. A guy who has hurt most of his career, put together a couple healthy seasons, got a good chunk of money for a one-year deal in, in San Francisco, stayed healthy, got a nice long deal from New York, got hurt, been hurt, just came back, hurt again. I think you look at Houston and you saw they're, they're, they lost Luis Garcia. Uh, Lance McCullers was coming back from an injury, had some setbacks. He's done now for the year. Most of the Yankees, it's not just uh, Severino has been struggling to come back from being healthy. Uh, Nestor Cortez was down and all for most of the season. Frankie Montas, I might have disappeared into a void. <laughs> I just think that is I, the Dodgers. Actually, look at the entire Dodgers lineup. You know, Walker Bueller, uh, Clayton Kershaw missed some time, but Walker Bueller. His arm was injured. They they lost. They just got back. Um, uh, uh, some of their guys. It's it's just been a consistent thing. I think you just see the value, the money, the 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 experience of being able to be that top guy. If you can hit one hundred, one hundred one. If you can spin it at that late rates. The, the reward is just so great that you just have to you have to go for it. And so I think you will get lucky and you will not have those injuries and you're gonna and, and you're gonna have a year where maybe one guy gets hurt or maybe nobody gets hurt and you just get lucky and you get fortunate. But I think the that's the risk in the game. This year the Rays have had it worse than any other year in their franchise. And worse than than most other teams right now. Their injured list pitchers are the best rotation in baseball. Yeah, I agree. Like there, there's an argument. There's an argument to be made. Uh, it's not a it's not a hands down, but you have an argument to be made that Shane McClanahan, Drew Rasmussen, Shane Boz, is, Jeffrey is Springs, a, is there a better and then Josh Fleming pitcher than Shane McClanahan? Like it, maybe Max Freed when he's healthy. I, yeah, I mean, I, there's an argument that it's Jeffrey Springs, who's also on the same I, I injured list. You you might, like, he was pitching better than Shane McClanahan. He was pitching as the best lefty in at least the American League when he got hurt. So, yeah, I mean, like, that's that's at least two out of, like, the top five left-handed pitchers uh, this year are on the Rays' IL. Yeah. And it, I think it's I think that's the cost of doing business. I think it, I think it is... I think it's it's sad. It's it sucks. You don't want to see nobody. I think wants to see any of these guys being hurt. You want to see them perform. But I do think people get overloaded in the idea of like how do we prevent that? And I and I and I think literally, if you could figure that out, every single team in in baseball would pay you a lot of money to have that exclusive uh, ability because health and availability is by far profitable. But if the answer is throw 85 miles an hour 
they're going to be like, well, hard pass because I'm not going to be able to convince Shane McClanahan to throw 92-93. Yep. Because he's not going to be that good. He's going to be available, but he's not going to be that good. It's like, there's got to be, I I don't know, because like you said, it's chasing money for these young kids that are growing up playing year-round baseball now in states like Florida, Texas, Georgia, California. They're told velocity, velocity, velocity. It's what gets you college scholarships, Mm -hmm. and that is very true. It's what gets you professional contracts. And so it's a a hard thing to balance. Uh, With that being said, guys are going to continue to try to throw harder and harder, right? Like hitting 100 used to be the benchmark, and now you've got – not many, but multiple guys that can hit 102, 103 pretty consistently. You look at Duran in Minnesota and yeah. uh, Ben Joyce with the Angels, like these guys that can easily throw over 100. How, how long can that last? Like, Is there is, is, is this bubble going to burst eventually? And are we going to go back to something more uh, maybe you'd see in, in the 90s and 2000s? I don't think so. But it's just like it's such a bummer to – it's it's hard to have like, yeah, starting pitchers who are stars in this league, because they're never they're they're never pitching, uh, like they take the ball every fifth day, and then it's like okay they're all going to have an IL stint. Some of them it'll be two weeks, some of them it'll be two months, some of them it'll be two years. Like Lance McCullers is going on almost three years since he pitched yeah. in the big league. With- with he he pit like and 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 it's like with like somebody like McCullers, he pitched like a few games as a shell of himself before he got hurt again. So it's like it's really been so long before you've seen like a full season, like actual full strength. And yeah, it's it's. I mean, you look at Bre- uh, Brendan McKay, Brent Honeywell, yeah. these top prospects that dealt with multiple arm injuries uh, before they even got to the big leagues. Right? It's not like. You, you know, they pitched for 15 years in the big leagues and then their arm fell off. Like, you, that you'd expect. It's like, this guy's 22 and he's had, like, three arm surgeries. I don't know. It just, I, I don't know how to get, I don't know if we're ever going to switch paths here, but it's just, it's, it's sad. And I hope Shane is all right. Hopefully, like, we're doing all this, uh, this conversation and it turns out he's just going to miss a month and they're going to ramp it back up and he'll be back and ready to go for the postseason. But it's yeah. just not not looking good right now. Yeah, I I would I think you you never know because you see we still see guys like Justin Verlander pitching and and Max Scherzer who who are staying healthy and and still performing. So I think some guys just maybe are luckier than others, and maybe some guys just have the genetics that that it makes it work out. But yeah, I I hope for Shane's sake. That uh, that he's able to rest, rehab, and be back this year to uh, to make that that September October push. Yeah, for sure. Um, uh, I do want to go back to Wander Franco because I know we we wanted to talk a little bit about him and, yes. and kind of the performances we're seeing from him. A little more consistency at the plate. He looks a little more settled in. I think the biggest thing though. Uh, is his shortstop defense I, going into this season? Like I was like, maybe you move move Wander off third. You keep him healthier, less uh, miles on his legs, and he plays third. You've got Taylor Walls, who by every not every metric, some metrics don't like him, but seems to be like an above average, at worst defensive shortstop, and maybe a Gold Glove winner at best. Um, but Wander Franco has 
made shortstop his. Um, I think mm-hmm. it was always going to be that way. But talk to me about about his his defensive abilities and what the Rays have on their hands here, outside of Wander Franco, the hitter, because we know how he can hit. Yeah, and I think that's that's the key, right? Is like a guy like Taylor Walls has been able to make a major league career as a sterling defensive shortstop with without a bat. Wander Franco, just as a hitter, is a major leaguer. But you go back. Uh, I was actually just trying to look up. Uh, so Fangraphs uh, rated him on the 2080 scale of scouting. Uh, 20 being no no value at all, and 80 being absolute elite. He was ranked as a 50 uh, perceived value and 55 future value at in terms of fielding, in terms of that tool, which is solidly above average. Right. A lot of scouting reports basically stated a guy and it's again, it's a lot of projections, but you're like you're seeing a guy who's like 19, 18, 20, who's fairly big and muscular. And you're like, well, I see a lot of Jose Ramirez in him and that at that size, he's going to keep growing and he's going to probably need to be moved off of shortstop. There was a, a lot of scouting reports kind of had that. His, his defense is pretty solid. It's it's actually it's and you know he if he was a above average defensive or at least average defensive shortstop with that bat, you would absolutely take that. That's a huge win. That's an extremely valuable position that he's able to not embarrass himself in. But a lot of the reports were you're eventually he's eventually going to have to move over. He's eventually going to have to move over, and he's going to be a great third baseman because he has the arm strength. The thing is. And and it early on, early on, what we saw was a solid defensive shortstop above average, actually making some plays. Definitely not somebody I would be rushing to move off, but there was you know some ideas of like maybe him at third and Walls at shortstop is maybe the future of the the position. Well, this year Wander Franco came in, he slimmed down a little bit, and he has put together a elite not good not great elite level defensive season if you just watch one game watch the detroit apple tv game because he makes four or five of the best shortstop plays of the season in that game and smooth two of them are absolute highlight reel diving catches but he makes a few others where he absolutely gets to a ball and makes it look way easier than it actually is. I was looking up the stats today. Current top three in defensive runs saved of any position. So just the best defensive players in any position. Fernando Tatis Jr. in right field, which is its own impressiveness that he was able to come back, not as a shortstop, who was actually kind of a below average by a lot of metrics shortstop and become a great defensive right fielder. Uh, Ryan McMahon of Colorado at third, uh, and then Wander Franco, the highest-rated shortstop by defensive runs saved. Uh, Top three in outs above average, which is another uh, defensive metric. Uh, Wander Franco comes in second, just behind Dansby Swanson, who, again, is more for his defense than the bat. The bat's solid, but the carrying tool is the defense. Uh, he's Wander is four full defensive runs saved higher 
than Dansby. By that metric, Dansby is one out above average above Wander by that metric. So Wander Franco is a top five to really, by these metrics, a top one, two shortstop by defense in all of baseball. By all means, gold glove, silver slugger, possibly platinum glove are all not only on the table, but he is a front runner for all of those right now. And that, as a 22-year-old, again, we talked about Curtis Mead, who's who's like the same age. He is just making his major league debut. He's going to be probably really bad for a while. Mm-hmm. And he's going to get better, and he's going to show flashes, but he's going to struggle because that's the natural progression of rookies. Wander Franco, at the same age, has put together multiple successful very good major league seasons this year he is putting together a incredible season and this might be the last season that he's not in that six seven eight win above replacement level like this is this is elite level territory if he stays healthy the bat the glove the power is even starting to flash mm-hmm. higher. Uh, the, like, I, I just, I don't think we have even properly, and we've praised him for many episodes. I don't even think we have properly rated how insanely good he is. The ceiling, we just do not know. And I, and I think that is something that even in these old scouting reports you look at, a lot of people do say, though, is like there a lot of these scouts and prospect evaluators basically look at it and go, he's great. But the scary thing is, I literally don't know how good he can be. Like every time I'm like, this might be the best shortstop prospect I've ever scouted, they're saying, like, he actually might be better than everything I'm saying. And yeah. and so far. He is starting to flash that. The defensive progression that he's made this year, not only is he not somebody that looks like he needs to move off a shortstop, he's somebody that is a huge impact weapon as a defender alone that could carry that. That is uh, just remarkable. And and he's 22, and I still cannot get over that. Yeah, I mean, when, when the bat really kind of rounds out, I think – uh, Shohei goes in his own tier, right? But Wander, I don't think, is yes. too far off from joining that tier where, like, Ronald Acuna is, where Freddie Freeman is, mm-hmm. where Mookie Betts is. Is like, these are the best players in baseball. Um, and, and maybe, you know, Acuna is not even known as much for his defense, but has the power, has the speed. That's another thing. Wander Franco's got 29 stolen bases already this year. That's, um, yeah. And, <laughs> 14 home runs. Um, like his WRC plus is uh, at 119. He's having a very similar season to Francisco Lindor, uh, who Lindor has leaned more into the power, less on base, um, but very good defense at shortstop. Both switch hitters. Um, again, he's always drawn comparisons to uh, Jose Ramirez. Maybe he's got a right hook like Jose Ramirez does. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's just it's incredible. It, it, in the home run uh, that he hit against uh, Garrett Cole right before, you know, the game I ended up turning off, 
Um, I, I just couldn't get over how quickly his hands got inside the baseball and he was able to turn on it. And, and, and you know, I think I said in Slack today, like, I think he's got somewhere down the line, it might not be for 10 years, a 40 home run season in him. Um, mm. it, you know, you, you see some of these players that come up as these great athletes like a Miguel Cabrera or a Hanley Ramirez. Um, I, I picked both guys that, that came up with the Marlins. Um, but then later in their career, really start to focus more on the power. Um, I could see Wander Franco maybe maybe when he does get to that point where he's playing third base and you know getting some yeah. DH days that he really just leans into the power and he's got such fast hands and such great strength uh, that I could see him you know by next you know next year he could be a thirty home run guy I think we've seen flash enough flashes of that power um, for that to be a possibility but man yeah he's going to be a perennial All Star and a perennial MVP candidate um, and he's locked up for the rest of his prime. Um, yeah. So, another 12 years. <laughs> What's going to be, and, and I, and I don't like, I hate like celebrating this cause I want Wander to get as much money as he deserves, uh, but he's locked up at what's going to be under market value um, for pretty much the remainder of the contract. It is, it is a team. It's the largest deal the Rays have ever given out, but it's still very much a team friendly deal. Um, but Wander will be taken care of. And so will the Rays as long as he's their shortstop. Man, it's not quite as team friendly as all of the Atlanta deals. Like yeah. it's not a it's not a, a team heist like Acuna's deal. Um, but uh, no, it, I I mean I think there the sky is the limit, right? Like I think he is. It you mentioned like guys like Shohei. He is he is in his own category because nobody ever in the history of baseball has done what he's done. Uh, the who knew that the Babe Ruth comparisons would be unfair to Shohei because he's better than Babe Ruth because he did both pitching and hitting at the same time at this yeah. level. And Ruth did it separately, which is incredible, but very different skill set. So even that, uh, I do think Wander is in a very small category of players who have a potential like 10 wins above replacement season in them, yeah. like a high level. Like we, we were talking about this before we went on the air last week or a couple days ago for the trade deadline one about, we were looking at an old, we were talking about the immaculate grid and we were looking at an old uh, MVP race where a rod finished second and he had a 9.6 uh, wins above replacement season. Uh, Ken Griffey jr. Came in fourth, at 9.4 wins above replacement that year. I think there are a few players in baseball that have that ability that like, if everything clicks, I think there's a lot of guys like, Oh, if everything clicks, you can have an amazing year and still be, and win an MVP, but maybe not be at that level. I do think Wander is in that rare, rarefied air of like Shohei Acuna. I think Corbin uh, Carroll is going to be up there for Corbin Carroll is absolutely. I think uh, Bobby Witt jr. Is a guy that's potential with Kansas City. He is starting to like, again, it's like he has not shown as much as Wander so far or Carol, but this last couple weeks, he is like, that's the, that's the guy that we were seeing. Uh, There are some, some of these guys that have that Julio, Julio. Absolutely. We start flashes. I think there's, there's a few, I always thought if, uh, if, uh, if Buxton could ever stay healthy for 162 games, which it may not ever happen. He's a guy that could have that with that defense and power and speed. Um, but yeah, there there is a, it, it's not a large list. Like, I don't know if Mookie Betts can still do it at his age. 
Like he was that, but I don't know if he still has that anymore. Uh, I think guys like Olsen and Freeman at first base, the defense just drags them down, uh, but they're like elite level. So it's not to say like, you know, you, this is a, a, a diss, but I think there is like a certain like high level, you know, holy crap. Bryce Harper in his prime, like doing that. Mike Trout in his prime doing that. Mike Trout, even now, he could still also probably roll out of bed and do that because uh, he's Mike Trout. Um, but Wander being in that range, like in that level, that's that extra gear. Like, yeah, we've seen Randy go off for for months and and like take over in October. Uh, but like Wander is like better. Like he is the best player talent wise that the Rays franchise has ever had. And I think it's by a very large margin. Now, he has to realize it. He has to keep on going. He has to stay healthy. All of that caveats aside. But talent, the talent level, he is a top one percenter in all of baseball talent-wise. Yeah, man. You know, I can't think of a better way to, to wrap up this show is just talking about his performances. Because, yeah, I mean, on Apple TV on Friday night, with those crisp 4K cameras, he looked super sharp out there. And I'm just so happy that we have him locked up. Um, but yeah, that's going to do it for, for this week's episode of Raise Your Voice. We had some good news. We had some bad news, right? The, the vibes meter is is kind of going up and down, I'm sure. I just want to know, like with Shane McClanahan, like if he's out for the next two years, just let me know. Just rip that Band-Aid off. Like, I just, I'll be fine either way because, again, it's inevitable now with pitchers. Just keep the rest of our pitchers healthy for this year, the rest of this year, please. Um, but yeah, I think the, the vibes are kind of up and down, and 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 we're 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 just moving along. It's it's still kind of like trending in the right direction. Trending yeah. where the w- there's some wind. It's not a stiff wind yet, but there's some wind. It's by the sails. It's slowly. Getting out Baltimore of Baltimore has got the wind right behind their sails, and they are zooming past the, the giant air. clipper ship. They they have the will of Poseidon is just <laughs> carrying them along. So sometimes you know you, you you can't fight the gods. Yeah, for sure. Well, that's gonna do it for this week's episode of Raise Your Voice. Um, as always, make sure to head on over to draysbay.com to check out all the great coverage, and you can find us wherever you get your podcast. But make sure to follow or subscribe so that every new episode is downloaded directly to your device. For Darby Robinson, I'm Brett Rutherford. We'll talk to you guys next week.